welcome to episode number 41 of Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. Today I'm going to be finishing up the episode that I recorded with Aubrey, uh, where we talk a little bit about so you want to buy a gun, that kind of thing. But with me right now, live from Greensboro, North Carolina, is the one and only <laughs> Doc Wesson of the Gun Nation podcast. Oh, Daniel, how's it going out there in Okinawa? How's the uh, sushi? Uh, I haven't had any sushi in, in a while. <laughs> But uh, I'm sure I will soon. Doc and I had a good time uh, busting caps at a local gun range in Greensboro when I was at home yeah. about a week ago. Kind of enjoyed ourselves out there. He he likes the big wheel guns. I like the little fast shooters. Yeah, you got to you got to shoot Big Jack, uh, the the infamous uh, six eighty six uh, carry. But uh, you shot Big Jack pretty good too there. I have to admit. Yeah, the first Dang. time I grabbed that thing, you know, I, I really wasn't sure what to expect. <laughs> and I had my sights right where I wanted them, and yeah. I started to lay my finger on the trigger. And I think uh-huh. the second that my mind decided that I was going to lay my finger on the trigger, it went off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly how it was. It's quite a surprise. Big, big Jack, yeah, Big Jack likes to keep you guessing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, um, if I recall correctly, when you did that, um, it went where it was supposed to do. <laughs> Yeah, at least relatively close. We're getting a little bit of internet connection problem, and I'm sure that's on my end with my crappy internet here. Please, if you're listening to this and you're tired of uh, my phone conversations being all broken up, please write your congressman. Tell them to stop making us pay for the monopoly of the horrible cable that's here on Okinawa. Let them run fiber on base so your podcast gets better. Thanks. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Daniel, we were um, uh, we were actually planning on, you know, Doing a bar, well, with the bar stool the other night, or two, what was it? Not this past Wednesday, but Wednesday before last. We yeah. were planning on uh, actually getting together uh, at a local here in, in the Greensboro area, but just, you know, we couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I looked forever and tried to call all the people I could call to, to get into a, a, a real, real life bar. And you know what's and, funny? And to, what's that? We, we couldn't find a place, and I was at Hooters that night, and with my, <laughs> my brother and his wife and my wife. And then right. we went out to uh, Natty Greens, and uh, then we ended up somewhere else. And then my brother and his wife were like, man, y'all stay up too late. We're going home. So they went home, and, <laughs> and me and Andrea were like, don't worry about us. We'll get a cab or something. We'll we'll make it. You know, we always yeah. make friends all of a sudden and end up somewhere and have a yeah. good time. So we, we ended up doing that. But the, that day, I had been dealing with Powers Gun Store. And I want to give you guys props. You know, if if you guys are in Greensboro area and you're looking to go buy a gun, there's a lot of places to buy guns around there, but yeah. if you go down High Point Road and then go straight on Merritt and then take the first left after you hit Merritt to Jane Street to Powers Gun mm-hmm. Store, those guys were great and uh, just the most friendly people. They were just they took their time with me. Two of the people who worked there had Marine sons that were in Afghanistan right then. And uh, we were talking about all kinds of stuff. It was just an awesome atmosphere. And I, I played kind of a, a dummy for a little bit when I first walked in. And I told the guys, like, you know, I I, I wanted to kind of fill you out first because I won't buy a gun from some from a dick is what I said. I was like, I, I don't – if I go to a gun store and somebody's a dick to me, I go find a new gun store because I hate that. I think it's horrible for the community. It's horrible for letting new people in. It drives me crazy. I will not give them business. And then actually I will pray later on that they go out of business because they don't need to be a gun store. But right. – but Powers was great, man, and they they hooked me up. They they bent their their normal rules that they they have for uh for layaways and stuff 
because of my because I'm in Okinawa and stuff. They they just were they catered their whole thing just for me and stuff the way they do, they do things from so I can actually now I can afford my uh, Beretta 92 FS Type M9A1 that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to afford because uh, they, oh, they really hooked me up yeah and uh, so I gave him some money down and he really didn't care how much money I gave down you know but uh, it was it was great I had a great experience there with those guys so if you're in Greensboro go check Powers out and tell them Gunfighter Cast sent you. And, uh, oh, that's or great, man. I tell, you, I tell you what, I'm in the market for another one, so I'll uh, I'll head over that way. And, well, they can order uh, anything. They, it's not a huge yeah. store, but what they have, and they have it's a small store, but what they have, they have a wide variety. They have you know all your Glocks standards. They have a, a revolver section, uh, and they have a, uh, a little small used gun section. But the, the coolest thing about them was they had a lot of SIGs. Uh, they had a, a wide variety of everything that basically somebody wants. Like you're looking for MMP, you're going to have a few options of MMPs. You're looking for a Springfield, you're going to have a few options. You're looking for a Kimber, they got it. You're looking for a SIG, they've got everything from SIG, from small concealed carry stuff all the way up to the 1911s. And I kept having this guy pull out the, uh, oh, what was it called? SIG Special Ops. I, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, it was all black SIG 1911. It was, it was mm. beautiful. You know, just... Twelve, I think it was eleven hundred dollars, and for the money, cannot awesome. beat it. Probably going to be my next gun purchase, <laughs> and I'll, awesome, I'll probably buy it from Powers. Yeah, it was nice. They have a little bit of gunsmiths and stuff they do there, and, and obviously mm-hmm. Glock armor stuff. But there was something they couldn't do that I needed done to my AR. They told me where I can go get it done that doesn't give them any money or anything. And uh, I went there, and he's like, "Yeah, I can do this, no trouble." And I, I told him that Powers sent me, and he's like, "Oh, cool," you know. And but uh. It, they were sending their business somewhere else when they couldn't take care of me for what I needed. So, yeah, that oh, kind of man. stuff, it means a lot to me. You know, I'm like, I'll buy guns from there until I don't need to buy guns anymore. Right, yeah. right. That's that's the way to go, man. If, if you get a group of people that, you know, take care of you, regardless of what that means. I mean, you know, like you say, if they got to send you somewhere else and, uh, you know, help you that way, that to me is worth everything. I would, uh, I'd stay with them until they... Like, just decided to get out of the business, you know. So. Yep. I'm so, you, man. Um, yeah, when I was at Hooters. So I go out to Hooters to go call in. Or actually, I think me and the wife were going outside to, to do that nasty thing that I do when I'm drinking and smoking cigarettes. And I walked outside, <laughs> and uh, me and the wife were on. And who's right in front of me? Uh, hmm. Rick Powers, the guy who owns Oh, really? Store. Yeah, he's sitting there <laughs> with uh, two senior deputy sheriffs. And... Uh, we commenced to talking to them. I was like, you know what? I bought a gun from you today. And he was like, yeah, you did. You know, and we, we we ended up talking for quite a while. And, That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it was a small world. And I was like, so I'm talking to uh, – I, I was on the phone with you waiting for you to unmute me, which you did a couple times. But I guess it was too loud, so you didn't. I never got to talk and never got on the yeah. bar stool because you and Mark didn't want to hear what I had to say, I guess. <laughs> But uh, but Andrea was over talking to the old guys for a few minutes and uh, explained to them who I was on the phone with and stuff, you know, and everything else. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really cool, you know. And he was like, yeah, I'll put some of your cards out, you know, Gunfighter Cast card and stickers. And so I didn't have any stickers with me, so I got to send them some. But uh, be good. yeah, they were a real cool guy, real cool. Well, hopefully they'll uh, they'll listen to the show too, you know. Yeah, well, whenever I shows. whenever I send my next payment, I'll send them a link to my uh, <laughs> the show and say I, I yeah, that's right. Maybe they'll give me a discount, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, that's what I'm talking about. We'll advertise for them. Heck yeah. <laughs> me and you can do it, and then they can just trade it off in uh, 
in product. <laughs> yep. since, since you know, I'm I'm here and you you're from here. So, My hand you know. is itching to fill that sick again. I, I I probably need yes. to buy that one next. That was nice. I figured you'd rush out and buy you a brand new 686 wheel gun, but. No, you don't know oh, what's well. going to happen. It's something about that race that I try to get you to do. I was like, all right, you file, fire 10 rounds, and I'll fire 10 rounds, and then we'll do yeah. magazine changes, and then fire yeah. 10 more and see who wins. Right, but I didn't have a magazine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I win that every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a trip. What a trip. But right, anyway. What do you going on tonight, Doc? Well, Mark and I, at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, uh, we've got the Barstool Discussions, as we've been just talking about. It's a live show. You can go over to gunrightsradio.com. Uh, Mark also purchased a new address, uh, grrn.co, for the uh, uh, people that are, like myself, uh, slack and typing. And uh, you can go over there and uh, right there on the uh, – be the top post. Uh, actually, we're, we're planning on, I think, putting a uh, – Putting a um, uh, actual page together for the show so that you can just click on it and have everything always there handy. But uh, as it is right now, uh, Mark puts up uh, a widget right in the in the post at the very top. You'll be able to listen to the live show right there on that widget. Uh, and again, it is live. Uh, you can call in, uh, you know, uh, using your telephone if you'd like. And uh, the way you do that is you dial seven two four. Four 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 seven four four four, and then you enter a call ID when prompted as eight nine zero eight nine, and then you just follow instructions from there. Um, you'll be able to call in, and uh, you know I'll see you have called in on the big board, and uh, we'll take your call. Um, normally, what we do in the past, we've kind of been unmuting a lot of people and talking kind of roundtable, but it's kind of hard to do that because uh, you never know who's speaking. <laughs> But uh, what we do now is we, we kind of take it like a radio show. We'll take a call at a time. Um, tonight we've got, uh, in, in honor of Wisconsin, uh, becoming a uh, uh, the next to the last state, but you know, never better late than never to the game. Uh, Wisconsin is now uh, passed through the General Assembly uh, a concealed carry law, and uh, they're sending it on to the governor, Governor uh, Walker, and uh, he's you know, pretty much consigned, I'm sure. And uh, since he is a uh, conservative, uh, at that point, uh, you know, or basically he's concert. not a freaking idiot. Right, right. <laughs> he's going to sign it. Yeah. <laughs> he's Congratulations, Wisconsin. Yes, absolutely. Very happy to have you guys on board the uh, the CCW train Welcome here. To the free world. Yes, exactly. First day of freedom coming up here soon, and. Uh, uh, but we've got Nick Clark is coming on the show. Uh, Nick is, uh, like I say, the president and CEO and founder of uh, Wisconsin Carry Incorporated. Very happy to have him on. Uh, he's going to probably join us in the early part of the show. Uh, hope everybody can call in and, uh, uh, you, know, you know, if you'd love, like to call in, probably be able to take some calls with him. Um, he probably can stick around with us and uh, call like in that. and. Uh, Congratulate him and ask him any questions you want to have. Uh, there's a whole lot, you know, as you know, there's there's a whole lot going on. Once you, uh, you know, pass a, a, a bill like that into law, it doesn't just happen. There's there's a lot of, you know, little things, nuances back and forth that can get in the way, such yep. as, um, you know. But I'll still the, the show the, now. I'll still the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't want to. <laughs> There's a lot of nuances. Let's just put it that way. And I'll, Nick's a busy guy, and he's he's a nice guy to come on the show with us. We're happy to have him. Yeah, that's going to be great. I can't wait to talk to him. I'm going to be on the show. I will call in. Yeah. So if you want to talk to me, 
please call in and say, I want to talk to Daniel. And Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll talk to you, and everybody else will, and I'm excited about it. I always have a good time, even when I just have to listen and Doc doesn't let me talk. And he <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, I did. I tried unmuting you every time, but there, I, I think there's a there's an automatic thing. When it gets too loud on one phone, it cuts it back or some kind of threshold thing. And I'm, I'm sure, and, you know, Mark has always has some great input on the show. Uh, he will probably go into the technology involved of getting concealed carry or carrying past in Wisconsin. And yes, exactly. <laughs> Mark, is, Mark is our, our Gun Race Radio Network Second Amendment guy. He is the guy for two-way when it comes to uh, being the broadcaster. He is the two-way guy. So, well, I, was, uh, I was making a joke about his ranting about technology. I know it. <laughs> but, but, I was trying to save him. <laughs> if you ever... If you do want to learn something about, you know, what's going on with Second Amendment in the United States and, you know, uh, you're. Sorry, folks, just Daniel now by myself. Uh, for some reason, we just lost the rest of that. Not sure what happened, how it happened. I'm blaming the laptop. But uh, basically what we said was, you're listening to this right now. You need to get on the Gun Rights Radio Network website, gunrightsradio.com. Get on there. Get your name in for the drawing of the pistol that will go at 10 o'clock tomorrow. That's 10 Eastern time. Call in tonight, which will be Wednesday night for you guys. Uh, call in Wednesday night, 9 o'clock. Uh, go to Gun Rights Radio again and check it out, figure out how to do that. Or call the number that Doc gave you and call in for the Barstool discussion. Now we'll have the rest of Aubrey and myself's conversation about So You Want to Buy a Gun you enjoyed this and just like the last episode that was out we were playing around with the microphone trying to figure out how to set it up between us properly and we ended up having no gain set on the microphone so it sounds like we're really muffled apologize for the audio of this one it'll be better for next time you enjoy it go ahead and take it away aubrey and this is aubrey i want to kick us off into the uh the topic we're we're going to start discussing today um basically of when people decide to purchase a firearm, whether it be for, uh, you know, home defense or, or they're looking at what they want to do for concealed carry, what is it that makes a person decide, hey, now I want to start carrying concealed? You know, whether it be where you move to, you know, new location, maybe a crime rate in your area, whatever the case may be, you know, because some of us, especially in the military, don't necessarily have the choice of, of uh, where we get planted and, you know, we have to kind of make the best of it. So we're, we're going to start discussing about what, what is it that makes you, you know, influences your decision on, Hey, I want to start carrying concealed or I want to, I want to purchase a handgun for home defense or personal defense. And, uh, and, and that's, I think that's a really, really big thing. Cause I know for me, it started, uh, it was kind of later on in life. I wasn't, you know, Growing up as a kid, I, I we always had guns in the house, and there weren't like it wasn't like a mythical thing that you know you weren't allowed to, you know, be influenced by. Or you couldn't see like a lot of people these days. You know, some some people say you know guns are horrible, but I was always around them, and, and they were good things that you know growing up it kind of gives you assets to use when you know when you get older. But for me, I I was in that situation where you know I got put in a neighborhood that wasn't the best neighborhood, and I was living in base housing. And for me, it was like, okay, well, you know, I, I think this is a time now where, you know, me thinking about my family and thinking about my personal safety, that was that was one of the things that influenced my thoughts and, and kind of made me think, okay, now this is a time where I already have a basis of, of knowledge on how to handle 
firearms and I'm pretty well trained with firearms, but I want to start carrying concealed. I want to get a firearm to protect my family, to protect myself, um, and, and do what I can do just to make sure nothing bad happens to the people I love. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up with guns too. Same thing. I was on Gun Dudes not too long ago when I talked about kind of how I got to where I am today. And it all started as a child with firearms all over the house going out. I would move up every year, basically. I would be able to take a higher caliber firearm out in the woods and shoot wild animals or whatever we were doing that day. You know, eventually I joined the military, became a weapons instructor, was a PMI down at Paris Island, a primary marksmanship instructor, and I taught pistol and I was. Did a pretty good job of teaching pistol. You know, I had high qual rates and stuff, and I, I knew I thought I was awesome with a pistol. I could go out there and qualify expert with no trouble, and I thought I had it all down. I thought I, I was just, you know, great with a pistol. I ended up turning 21 years old, and when I turned 21 years old, I had already had my gun on layaway, paid off. I was just waiting for my birthday to hit so I can go in there and buy this gun. And then that next weekend, I took a concealed carry class, and I got my concealed carry permit in the mail 90 days later in South Carolina. It was just kind of a logical progression for me. Now, I had I didn't know enough to know what I didn't know, you know I I had no clue. I thought since I can go out here on the static marksmanship pistol range shooting at a static target, uh, basically bullseye shooting, I thought I was good because I could hit that target one or two shots at a time, very slow, methodical shooting, and I, I thought I was golden, like I was an awesome pistol shooter, like I had it all down. It took me a good ten years to realize that wow I don't know anything, you know I. I'm horrible at this. I, I know how to, I can go out there and apply the fundamentals of marksmanship and shoot well, slow, but there's so many other things that I haven't thought of. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I kind of started doing Gunfighter Cast because I know there's a lot of other people out there that are probably the exact same way as I was because I was naive. You know, I had no idea. But for me, I was like, I'm 21. Now I can carry a pistol. There was really no question about why for me, for myself. It was, uh, okay, so now I can carry and protect myself. So that's what I'm going to do. Went out and bought a Glock 23. And I was carrying, you know, as soon as I got my permit. And i uh, been carrying, you know, ever since, depending on where I'm stationed at, whether I had a concealed carry permit in that location or not. I think the most, not only are we going to talk about the, uh, you know, why you're motivated to do it, because, you know, whatever your reasons, you definitely have some kind of motivation to protect your family. Maybe the, the wool finally fell from your eyes. The world is not an amazing place. And chances are you're going to go through life and nothing's ever going to happen to you. But if something does, it's better to have that pistol than not have it. You know, it's uh, it's the old thing. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. It's just simple as that. I know it's kind of old, tired cliche, but it's definitely true. But if you do get that motivation to go out there and buy the gun, go out there and buy a gun, not as a toy, not for sporting, not for just IDPA, not for uh, just going out shooting animals or whatever you do, um, or target practice plinking, and you buy it, as a weapon, you buy it to protect your family in the home, or if you're going to go to the next step and carry it with you everywhere you go and carry concealed, or at least in your car. I think the first thing you need to ask yourself is, can I shoot somebody? Do I have the ability within myself to take a human life? Now, I think that's a fair question. Uh, some people out there would think that you know I'm some kind of I'm breeding violence here, or you know some people on some anti-gunners would probably say that. Uh, I'm promoting violence, but I think it's a completely fair question you need to ask yourself. If you're going to carry a weapon and you're going to protect your family, and you, or do you intend to use it for protection, that's what you're protecting from. Either you're protecting from large animals because of where you live, or you're going to be protecting your family from two-legged mammals that want to come kill you, like other humans, or come hurt you, take what you have and threaten your life and threaten your family's life. And if you're going to carry that 
pistol as a weapon, you have to have the ability to take a human life. You just have to. If not, you're going to be a liability. Uh, you're probably going to cause more harm than good. You can't have the hesitation. Uh, it's uh, Once you decide that it's time to pull this pistol out and deadly force is justified and your life is in danger, you got to get on the trigger. I agree. I agree completely. Um, I, I think, you know, like I said, from my experience and what the decision was for me, I was already in the Marine Corps for a while. I've done uh, a couple combat tours and, you know, and, and been actively engaged. Um, and, and for me, that, that really wasn't a question because I already knew the answer to that question. But, however, not everybody has been put in that position. And it's, it's definitely, you know, like you said, you could be more of a liability to the public. You could be more of a liability to your family. Uh, based on your knowledge and based on, you know, how familiar you are with that, that weapon system. Um, because not everybody is, you know, can go to the gun store. And, and, and when you go to the gun store, I've seen it happen time and time again, going into, you know, a gun shop, you know, going to a range or whatever. I'll see someone come in and go, I want to buy a pistol. Well, the gun owner or whoever it is says, well, why do you want to buy this pistol? Well, I want to buy it for home defense. And then, there follows a long line of questioning, you know, well, have you ever shot a gun before? What kind of gun was it? You know, so on and so forth. But the big question is that, you know, no gun owner wants to ask is, well, do you think you could really kill somebody if you had to? And it's something that, you know, some people will never really know the answer to that question until it's time to actually go to work and, and make that happen and make that shot, make that call. Um, and then there are other people, regardless of your background and regardless that, you know, say, Hey, yeah, yeah, I could do that. You know, if it came down to it, it was either me or them. It's definitely going to be them. But on the flip side of that is there are people that are out there and say, yes, I could absolutely take a human life if it came down to it. But there's many times it's been shown, you know, whether it be in a combat situation or be, um, you know, a police engagement or, 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 you know, a self-defense type situation where people thought they were ready to take a human life, drew their weapon, presented their weapon, and froze. Now, there are certain training things that you can do, and they call it the inoculation effect. Basically, it's just like getting a shot. You go out, and there's things that you can do to help prepare yourself mentally so that you are ready to go ahead and take those shots and, and take the human life that you need to in order to ensure that your safety and the safety of others around you. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, even though you answer yes to that question, doesn't mean you're going to be able to. It's uh, it's not something to be taken lightly. I think it was Masada Ayub who said, you know, whenever someone decides that they're going to threaten you or cause harm on you, then they've just basically surrendered their right to live. There's something to that effect. I, I'm probably misquoting. Sorry, Mass. But, uh, you know, if someone tries to, to, to harm my family, we're walking, someone tries to pull out a pistol, you know, it's, I, I'm right now, I firmly believe, and I've been tested, never tested in the U.S. in that kind of situation, but in you know other uh, military-type situations, I've been tested, and you know I I feel I answered the call with just force. You know, in that kind of scenario, I've never been faced with that. I cannot say 100% sure, and it's not anything to be taken lightly, because taking a human life is is a big deal. It's a huge responsibility whenever you decide that you're going to put this pistol on your side. Uh, your responsibility is to the general public who may be in the area whenever you have to fight. It's your responsibility to your family that you're just beside you that you are there to protect, that you're carrying a weapon to protect. Another thing Mass said, quoting him again, the, uh, the thing you do the most with that pistol is not shoot bad guys. It's not go to the range. 
It's not pull the trigger. It's not practice. It's not train. The thing you're going to do the most, you're going to do it around your family. You're going to do it in your home. You're going to load it and you're going to unload it and you're going to clean it. You're going to do that more than you do anything else with your pistol. So you may be awesome at shooting bad guys and awesome at training and everything else, but you still have to have that basic, basic safety. That's probably what we should talk about right now. Because uh, the basic safety that you, knowledge you need to know, there's cases all the time where people who think they're well-trained, and they may even be well-trained, that they have negligent discharges. They feel they're complacent with that pistol. Uh, they're, they're dry firing with a magazine in. You know, they're, they're doing stupid stuff, and they're getting their family members killed. And uh, it's not, you know, an incredibly common thing, but it does happen. And we can't allow that to happen. We've got to stop that. That's part of your responsibility whenever you decide that you're going to buy a weapon, you're going to carry it or keep it in the home. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, we, we always, in, you know, in, in our community, safety is always preached to be paramount. Safety is the biggest thing. No matter what you're doing, you know, there's so many uh, stringent forms of, you know, safeties placed on any kind of training or anything that we do to try to ensure that no one gets hurt unnecessarily and no one gets killed. Um, and, and we're lucky on that aspect, And but it sometimes it hurts our training. But for, you know, civilian-wise or, you know, for whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. Safety is definitely always paramount. It's something that you want to you wanna always make sure and double-check and triple-check and make sure that whatever you're doing, you are in the right state of mind. You, without a shadow of a doubt, know that you have full control of what's going on. And, and, and being safe at all times because, you know, like you said, you owe it to the people around you, not only the public, but you owe it to your family. Um, you know, I've, I've, there were a couple of recent cases of, of, you know, in areas that I lived in and people that I'm somewhat familiar with that that actually happened and they had negative discharges and people got hurt, you know, people died. And it's definitely not a good thing. It's not something that you want to put your family through. It's not something you want to put yourself through. And it's definitely not something that you want to have to explain to a loved one or to someone that, you know, this happened unnecessarily. Yeah, like, I don't know how I could live with myself if I did something negligent with my pistol and shot Gunner or Gabe. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't see how I could go on in life. You know, I really don't. It was, uh, I, it would be just incredibly, it'd be detrimental. You know, I'd, I'd be done. I just think I'd probably cease to operate. But, um, Keen on something you said about sometimes the safety hurts our training. I think there's a happy medium you got to find. You know, you got to have your range safety. You got this before you're going out and shoot with buddies or whatever. Uh, you got to set parameters of what we're going to do, however, how, what kind of safety measures we're going to have in the way. And it may be kind of an unspoken thing. You get just kind of you've been doing it for a while with each other, and you guys know what you expect of each other. You're calling each other on uh, trigger finger discipline. You're calling each other on have not having the weapon on safe. You're calling each other or whatever you're doing or not pointing the weapon downrange when it should be or in a safe direction. You're calling each other on that, and you're holding each other to that standard. I've been on some ranges that were far too restrictive for safety reasons, and they created training scars. And I always suggested that they reduce some of these restrictions within reason, the restrictions that, that may cause your range to be less productive uh, in the training just because there was such a focus on, on safety. I think that hurts training a lot. I think you need to you find a, something in there within reason. Definitely have your, your safety, but you don't want to sacrifice your training. You also never want to go beyond. Uh, or if you're uh, basically, if you're doing something unsafe, your gain from that unsafe situation that you created better greatly outweigh the risk. Uh, if it's something that you have that much gain for it, don't do it. I don't, you know, I, and I, I've, again, I've seen it as well. Um, you know, there, there are people that, may not have quite as a familiar um, relationship with the firearms or with 
you know, with that weapon system that, that I may have or that some of the people that are conducting the training may have. Um, and, and those are typically the ones that, that put those extremely stringent training, you know, safety measures in place. And they don't see the scars that they're creating. They don't see um, that when it comes time for these people to actually employ these weapons in a, uh, in a real-life scenario or a combat scenario or a, you know, uh, you know, a fight that how they're affecting the way that these people fight and how they're affecting the way that they protect themselves and protect the people around them. Um, I've, I've been, I've, I've seen it happen in combat. I've seen it happen on ranges. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's something that, you know, it kind of, it really makes me angry to see it because especially when you're in a position or you're in a job or a profession that you are constantly being put in a position where you could take someone's life or someone could take your life on a daily basis. You can't afford to be unsafe, and you can't afford to have training scores. It is completely unacceptable to me, in my mind, um, to have either one of those. And I believe that it's possible to have a happy medium, just like you said, to have a, 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 a great knowledge base of, of both of those areas, of how you should train, um, how familiar you are, and how safe. You know, There should be no doubt in your mind that what you're doing is safe for everyone around you. Great. So a little bit about safety there. Uh, and that's going to be your general concern. And, you know, we could go through the four safety rules, the three safety rules, the NRA's two safety rules or whatever they have, and then, you know, the fifth safety rule and all that stuff. And I'm sure you've all heard them a thousand times. And you can go Google them. I'll post a link somewhere to them on the show notes here. You follow the safety rules. Uh, you be smart with the weapon. Respect it above all else. Don't be stupid. That's pretty much it. So somebody wants to go buy a gun and they want to carry or just keep it in their home. They have a general knowledge of firearm safety. Maybe they took a, a safety class, an RA safety class or something like that. Selecting a pistol. I talked about this a few times. Yeah. Probably the email that I get the most <laughs> about is how, what, how should I pick a pistol or what pistol should I get. I get that email all the time. I still do. And I talked about it two or three times at Gunfire Cast. Oh, my, keep asking me. I keep giving you the same answer. And, uh, you know, it'll take me two minutes here to t- give you that answer again right now. Go out there, shoot a bunch of pistols, find the one you like, buy it. Whenever you want a holster, go out there, try a bunch of holsters. When you find the one you like, keep wearing it. You know, it's uh, it's as simple as that. Getting a little bit of training, having someone that's giving you honest feedback. you got to have your, your radar on when you go into a gun store. Absolutely. Because somebody's going to try to sell you something because they're getting a bonus for selling that type of gun. Absolutely. Uh, in this month. If they sell this many guns, they get some kind of, they get a free gun themselves or something that month. That, that kind of stuff goes on. And I'm not knocking that. So you guys kind of have, kind of have your radar going on right there when you go in there. Is this guy trying to sell me this because to benefit him, or is he trying to sell me this gun to benefit me? And that's why it's good to have you know a friend or somebody who knows a lot about pistols, uh, knows a lot about firearms, and knows a, at least a, at least a decent amount, maybe not even a lot, but at least you know a nope. decent working knowledge, and maybe they've been around them for a while um, to go with you to help you out, and that way they can act as a filter of what that. That gun store guy is telling you. You know, I, I've been I've been in, able to help people select firearms, and I get this question a lot. I'm, I'm sure people have come to you with the same thing. Hey, look, I'm going to go buy my first handgun. I'm going to go buy, you know, my first weapon. What should I get? And I'm glad that they're asking me that instead of asking the guy that works at the gun shop that. Because the guy at the gun shop, more than likely, he'll ask you, you know, a couple questions of why you want to buy the gun. You know, well, what kind of gun are you looking for? So on and so forth. But automatically, his mind, because of his job, and I'm not knocking it, just like you said, you know, he's got to pay his bills. But 
don't get it wrong. This guy will better yet sell you a $1,200 Kimber than opposed to selling you a $500 Glock. These two pistols could serve you exactly the same. They both have pros and cons, but this guy's going to make a buck. Now, whereas if you take someone out that's going to tell you, hey, look, when you decide to buy a pistol, there are certain things that you need to look at. How does that pistol fit in your hand? You know, how much experience do you have shooting a pistol? You know, what is your skill level shooting a pistol? What do you want to use that pistol for? Um, you know, are you going to use be the only one using this pistol? Is this going to be for you and your spouse? Is it going to be something that you want to take and you're going to use it for defense as well as, you know, teaching your kids or teaching your loved ones how to shoot? What's going to be the best, you know, pistol for you? And that's something that, that these guys might not be able to give you the best uh the best opinion on and it's good to take somebody with you yeah. that you trust their opinion simple stuff like can you rack the slide mm-hmm. can your wife rack the slide you know if your wife's gonna be carrying it too or, or have access to it you know it's uh i was in a gun store once with my wife and we were looking for pistols and i think it was probably when we bought the glock 19 or some other time or maybe we were gonna buy something else i forget but there was a few different pistols that we were looking at and she liked a few and she couldn't pull the slide back on a couple of them just couldn't rack it and you know, her Glock, she has no trouble. You know, overhand, behind it with the two fingers, she can rack it. She can work the Glock, no trouble. But some other pistols, she couldn't, she couldn't rack that slide very well. And uh, this guy really wanted to sell us a gun, this, a certain type of gun. And he kept trying to show her all these different techniques of how a female could rack a slide if her hands weren't strong enough. Some crazy stuff. And, then, and I just kind of let him go. And she already knows how to rack a slide. You know, but I just kind of let him go. But you could tell this guy was was almost desperate to sell this this particular firearm, even though she was she could pick up a Glock and handle it like she knew what she was doing, like she touched one before, uh, and she's fired a gun before. But then whenever she picked up this other gun, she couldn't rack the slide, and this guy was kind of talking to her like she had never seen a gun before, and like how oh no you need you need you need this gun because it's this and that, and here's how you can you just practice doing this and you'll eventually be able to rack the slide and stuff like that. I'm like wrong answer. You know, it's like that gun doesn't fit her off the bat. Yeah. You know, it's not. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna train her around this gun. Whenever no. I have all these other options for different guns, she can find a gun that fits her ability, that fits her. You know, and uh, but they'll try to say something else. Just keep that in mind. Take somebody with you. Keep that radar on. It's good to have that filter with you. Somebody who knows quite a bit, and uh, that'll help you out a lot. And by all means, if you ever have any questions for me or anything, I would be more than happy. Uh, to correspond with you about that and help you make that pistol purchase. I've been proud uh, to get a few emails from people that are talking about the first-time pistol and their wife wants a pistol for the first time and stuff, and I've helped them make make uh, purchases through the Internet, never actually met the people. And then they email me back and tell me how, how happy they are with what they got, and they tell me what they got. Uh, it might be a pistol that I would never buy myself, but for them it worked. And it was, uh, and I, you know, it was, it was excited me and, uh, you know, helped them out like that. So it's a, uh, and that's, you know, that's why we do this. So it is a, uh, just take somebody with you, pay attention to that gun store and find a pistol that fits you. And there's so many pistol ranges out there nowadays. You might have to travel a little bit to get to one, but they usually have rental pistols. Go out there and rent one. And they're usually renting the pistols that they sell. So go out there and rent one, shoot it a little bit, see if it works for you. You know, it maybe you, maybe that 45 is perfect for you. Then again, you might want to start out with a nine millimeter, you know, that nine millimeter Ammunition is going to be cheaper than that 45. Uh, if you're just now starting out with pistols, you're probably not going to be reloading immediately. So, or I'm talking about like a press reloading, you know, ammunition. Buying cheaper ammo, you know, may be a huge concern for you. There's a lot of factors that go into it, a lot of things you need to think about. 
whenever you're selecting that first pistol or an additional pistol. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely look up, look at the, uh, the ammunition side of that. Um, you bring up a good point, especially if you're starting, you know, if someone's starting just now getting into, you know, carrying a pistol or shooting a pistol or, you know, shooting any type of firearm, look at the ammunition, you know, what can you afford reasonably? What can you afford to train with? What can you afford to shoot, you know, a couple hundred rounds through this pistol and it's not going to break the bank? You know, obviously ammunition is, is, prices are a lot higher nowadays than they were 10 years ago. So, you know, it might not have been a big difference then, but now it is. And if you're actually doing that now, that's something you probably want to think about. Um, something else that, that, you know, a new shooter is, yeah, you take that first initial safety class, but when you buy these pistols, you got to think about that recoil management. How, how is that going to affect your training? How is that going to affect, uh, you know, how, how, how well you shoot that pistol? And when you get these rental pistols and you say, well, you know, I've heard a lot about this pistol and this is a very popular pistol. And I see a lot of people on TV use it or I see a lot of people, you know, in gun magazines do, you know, articles on it saying how good it is. And you kind of almost talk yourself into buying a certain pistol. Try to steer away from that. And I've seen people at the shooting range, they'll be shooting a pistol. They'll shoot a couple rounds and then they'll look at it as if this pistol is going to speak to them and say, hey, I'm the one for you. I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. The only way that you're going to figure out if that gun is the right gun for you is by keep shooting it and knowing exactly what you're looking for. What kind of trigger pull do you want? You know, ease of access, where the controls are at, if the controls fit your hand, if the gun fits your hand, if you can rack the slide to the rear, if you can't rack the slide to the rear, how much is ammo going to cost, you know? And most of those things you're not going to know by shooting one pistol. Mm -mm. You're going to shoot, you're going to pick up a Glock and you're going to shoot it and wow, this feels good, I like it. And then you're going to pick up a 1911 and you're going to be like, it's sex in your hand. Yeah. You know, it's, and then you're going to go pick up, you know, uh, something else. An XD. You know, one of those Croatian guns or something. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and your hand's going to love it even yeah. more than the other guns. Which is more likely going to be the And then you're going to pick up a, a high point and your hand's going to start. Vomiting. Yes. Everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it all depends, you know. I'm sure I'll get some email about that. I don't love about that. But that's all right. You know, it's, you've got to shoot multiple guns to see what you like. You know, you're not going to know what you like right away. Absolutely so. not. I've, I've had, and I know you're a big Glock advocate, and I know one thing that you love about the Glocks is everything except for the sights. I've actually seen people, um, you know, buy a Glock for the first time, take it out of the range, and shoot a couple hundred rounds in, in, in rapid succession and watch those sights just turn to mush uh, for whatever reason. Or, you know, they are coming out of the holster and the slide gets snagged on something. And they're trying to get used to this gun, and sight comes off. Or, you know, you have people that can't manage to eject. I've never seen a new shooter melt the sights on a Glock. Well, I've seen some experienced shooters wear out some sights on a Glock yeah. where the front sight post is like melted off the thing. I've seen people that can't eject the magazine after they get done shooting. They fumble around with the magazine. Or I've seen people that can't disengage a safety properly or, you know, in time. And I know that's something that new shooters do. And, and over time, that, that you know, that goes away. But you and a lot of the, yeah, a lot of that's good. That's something else we should talk about here in a minute is, uh, you know, different techniques, you know, for that release of the magazine. You can go buy an extended magazine release. Yeah. Or you could, you know, do a little flip in your hand as you reload. A lot of different options out there, but you're not going to know until you go out there and shoot. Exactly. You so go out there and shoot. the point is, is when you, when you get out there and you say, okay, I'm going to buy a firearm, I'm going to buy a handgun, whatever, don't settle. You know, if you settle, you know, you're, you're shorting yourself because nowadays there's so many different options. So many different manufacturers have, you know, three or four different size pistols in the same caliber, three or four different calibers. They have, you know, interchangeable back straps. They have, you know, adjustable triggers. They have, you know, 
a whole gambit of stuff that you can get to customize yourself to that gun or, or you know, find the right one that's for you, for size, for carry, for, for whatever it is that you're going to be using that gun for. So definitely don't sell yourself short. Don't settle. And by all means, you know, shoot as, as many guns as you can before you make that purchase. As you know, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Glocks, but I'm a big fan of Glocks for me. Yeah. You know, it, that doesn't mean I'm a big fan of Glocks for you. You know, it depends on you. But the uh, if you do, if, you, if money's a concern, don't be afraid to buy a used gun. Absolutely you know? not. Uh, especially yeah. there's a lot of police departments and sheriff's departments across the nation right now going to the Smith & Wesson M&P series pistols. That means that there's thousands of Glocks uh, that were used that used to belong to police departments uh, that are out there for sale right now. So you can get a prior police service pistol for uh, a really good price, and a lot of these pistols are hardly even shot. Uh, if you look around, you can find one. Maybe some different uh, places on the internet you can locate these things for some really good prices, and end up not spending you know like maybe three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars on on a good pistol. You really yeah. can. I will say this though: if you go out there and, and you decide that hey, you know, I'm kind of tight on the budget. I want to go the, the the used route. Definitely take somebody with you who knows about firearms, who knows how to look at a gun and tell you whether or not that gun is is past its prime, whether or not you know you buying a pistol and it's going to shoot like a twelve gauge. They they should be able to be able to look at that pistol and tell you, hey, look, these are some things you want to look at. You know, maybe not so much cosmetics because you know if you're buying a, a used gun, you're not going to get you know the most greased up prettiest thing straight out of the box but you're going to get something that functions well that's reliable and you can shoot but on the same sense you got to look at how long is this gun going to last me because a gun is not something that you want to buy use for a year and then all of a sudden now it's used up you know this should be something that you make this purchase it should be an investment you know and possibly something that you want to hand down to your loved ones when you pass away something that they can use you know for future generations so if you're going the used route make sure you know you take somebody with you who knows what they're looking at and can tell you if you're buying a piece of junk or not. All right, tying in our next part of something we just talked about, not only is going out there to that range shooting multiple guns going to help you decide what gun you like and what you want to buy, but it's also going to make you familiar with a lot of more types of weapons out there. And I think it's important for someone who has a reasonable amount of training to not only know their pistol. I've ran across police officers who carried Glocks that had no clue how a 1911 worked. But they knew their Glock pretty well, maybe not greatly. They had no clue about a 1911. They had no clue about you know the safeties and everything else. They didn't know about that stuff. Uh, the more guns you shoot, the more familiar you're going to be with those. Uh, if I was in a military conversation here, I would talk more about battlefield pickups. You know, like uh, sometimes you maybe your weapon's down, something happened, you have to pick something else up and keep going. It's really good to be familiar with your enemy's weapon and other weapon systems that you have organic to your unit, so you know how to use them all if you need to use that. If it's going to be the best weapon for the job, you already know its capabilities and you know how to use it properly. Uh, and even fault check it and problem solve it if there is a stoppage or something goes wrong with it. So having a good working knowledge with a variety of pistols is definitely going to be a good thing. Whether you're uh, some reason kind of crazy active shooter or active killer incident takes place uh, and you see a gun become available. Uh, from a security officer that may have been shot or something like that, and you want to grab it to start fighting the bad guys. That's, it could be any kind of scenario that you can think of in your head. You never know. Having a good knowledge of a, multi of a multitude of firearms is going to be uh, possibly beneficial, beneficial to you in the future. Absolutely. And I think um, typically the case is now, you know, if you go out and, and like I said, we talked about you're testing a bunch of different firearms before you make that purchase. 
normally you're going to see that people who are out there, you know, actively committing crimes with firearms, they don't have top dollar weapons. You know, they have most of the time it's a bottom of the barrel, you know, dark alleyway deal pistols. Um, and, and but while you shooting different pistols and shopping around, you're going to have a basic familiarization. So in the effect that something like that happens, or you call it an active shooter scenario, you're going to know how to operate that pistol. You're going to know how to clear a stoppage. You're going to know whether or not that pistol's done and you can't use it anymore. Um, and, and, and you're going to know where you stand at as far as, you know, could I go out and pick that pistol up? Could I go out and, and, and grab anybody's gun from anywhere in this situation and use that, that weapon effectively? Yeah, good skill to have. And, you know, it's something to build over time. You're not going to go to sleep one night with the gravest extreme underneath your pillow and then wake up and have all the information. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that you need to start exploring. I, I see people all the time that, like I said before, you know, I didn't know enough to know what I didn't know. And I, there's people I talk to very often. Like I talk to them about pistol, you know, how I train people with a pistol. Like, oh, I'm good with pistol. So what have you done? And they talk about how they shot expert on the pistol range in the Marine Corps. And then we talk about a few more things, and I realize very quickly that they're in that same position that I was years ago where I thought I knew things. And, uh, you know, in 10 years from now, I may be thinking back to right now, thinking, man, I thought I knew stuff back then. Yeah, and I really didn't know anything. You know, it's, it's, it's so much to learn. There's so much. Don't don't hold yourself back. You know, that's a beautiful thing about time is uh is, is it, you should never stop learning in this community. I mean, just like Daniel said, ten years ago his mind frame was completely different, and mine was as well. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, the more that I associate with people that are like minded, I'm going to pick up little things from them. I'm going to pick up and, and things that might change because I you know I have my mindset on the types of, of, of weapons that I prefer and that I use and why I prefer these weapons. But if I talk, the more I talk to someone, there's nothing saying that they might not change my mind and open my mind to a whole new, you know, gambit of, of firearms or a whole new gambit of training or fighting or how, how I, you know, conduct myself or how I carry, uh, you know, concealed or, you know, where I place my weapons in my house. You know, there's a bunch of different things that you can learn out there, but never stop learning. And, and by, by getting out there and, and making yourself available to people and making, you know, asking questions and, and doing the research. I mean, you're going to get out of this as much as you put into it. If you, you know, if you actively pursue it and, and you want to be, you know, kind of a, a subject matter expert of, of sorts, you know, as far as carrying concealed or, or firearms in general, then, you know, you, you got to have to get out there and do that. You know, you got to ask questions. You got to talk to people. Yep. So we talked a little bit about, you know, selecting a firearm general knowledge that you need first of all would be safety a little bit about some more reasons why you should shoot more firearms i think something else really important once you decide to do this is uh get some training absolutely you know that concealed carry class that you go to that has you firing maybe 50 rounds that's not training no uh, i wouldn't even consider it a test personally so i would definitely go out there locate a good there's they're all over the u.s now and there's plenty of good ones you can just look on facebook and you will find them all over the place you can go to lots of different shooting schools and get some really good training but not only training with being able to use your firearm but also training in when can i use deadly force yeah that's a big thing legal stuff when is yeah. it and how am i going to defend myself and after the actual incident you know if there is one 
Uh, first, we got to be able to live through the incident. We got to train and be able to fight. But we also need to make sure we're legal. You need to know the local laws in your area. If that means you go talk to the magistrate, or you go get something that you know is is accurate, uh, a book, publication, or something on the local laws in your state, your area, then, then do that. But you need to know what you can and can't do, where you can and can't carry, what's legal, what's not, and uh, when is it justifiable to get on that trigger. Uh, there's a lot of schools out there that do that. Fortunately, thank you Gun Rights Radio Network listeners and gun dudes and everybody Absolutely. else who's donated money. You guys are sending me to such school in September, paying my way and everything. I was talking to Stan earlier today, and it looks like we have the money right now, uh, as long as there's nothing other crazy wars start in oil-producing countries, that should be able to fly there right now. Everything else is just going to be kind of icing on the cake. Any more donations that the gun dudes get, it's, uh, it's going to go to next year's, uh, whenever they bring another Marine or soldier or sailor or airman uh, to the next MAG-4. This is kind of what we're going with right now. I'm not entirely sure about how it's going to work. But uh, you guys are sending me to that. And MAG-40, MAG-20 covers all that as well. And But uh, the Masada U Group classes. And can't wait to go out there and shoot, get some of that after-action training. You know, when to use deadly force and then uh, how to deal with it mentally, psychologically, and legally after uh, the shootings occurred. Definitely plenty of opportunities for training out there. Find it. Uh, if you can't afford training because some of them are quite expensive, doesn't have to be though. There's a lot of a lot of training opportunities out there that that you don't have to break the bank on. Yeah, you don't have to spend too much, and you always just you know if what we used to do, me and Justin Albert would go out to one of the cells down at the range. We'd go out there and shoot, and we would you know run each other through drills. We would do things like somebody would take turns calling out drills and making up stuff. We just make it up as we go, and uh, just run some drills and stuff, and end up having a great time. Learning, raising stress on each other a little yeah. bit, making fun of each other, of course, you know, pushing each other's limits, and uh, you know, trying to outdo one another at the same time. And it was, it's that's how you learn, and you, you learn from each other. Like, wow, that was really good. At, how are you hitting those plates every single time? You know, what, let me see what you're doing. And I'll stop and I'll go watch. You know, and maybe learn a new technique and um, share something that that you, working for you with them. You know, and that's uh, that's what it's all about. Definitely, get the training. Take the time to do your research on who's going to be training you and uh, make a conscious effort to dedicate yourself to that training. Um, and once you decide to go with it, hey, do it, learn everything you can, and pass that knowledge on to other shooters, by all means. Don't keep that stuff a secret because you're only going to make us better as a community. Whenever you're putting on a pistol and you're trying to conceal it, I think most people, when they started concealing pistols, they may have changed their clothes quite slightly. Maybe yeah. they're buying their pants a little bit bigger to fit inside the waistband. Yep. Maybe they're wearing a little bit longer shirts, uh, maybe a little bit thicker material. You know, you're a little bit more selective with your clothes and what you're wearing. Uh, you've got a more rigid, thicker belt you know, to, to support your pistol and everything else. Uh, maybe you buy pants a little bit more loose so you can easily get in there and get that magazine out, that next magazine for a reload. Little small things like that you have to think about you'll probably start dressing around your gun. So just be prepared for that. If you're open carry, if your area that you live in allows you to open carry, I personally believe that you shouldn't be out there in, you know, some big baggy gangster jeans and a bandana hanging out of your pocket and looking all, you know, typical gangster. I don't think you should be out there looking like you just left the uh, Michigan militia. Not that I have anything against the Michigan militia, but maybe you've got your old camouflage pants on and, you know, you're just looking like you're uh, ready for war. The typical 
redneck gun owner that you know hates all government and everything else. And uh, this is these things we got to get rid of this stereotype. Don't make yourself and, uh, a target. Man. I think we've done a great job in the past few years of getting rid of that stereotype. I think it's it's dying. But uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there who get charged with disturbing the peace when they're open carrying, even though open carry is legal, uh, because of the way they're dressed with that open carry. Uh, you'll find if you dress nice and you go into a gas station, you'll likely, and you buy some coffee, you'll likely get a police discount. I've been offered police discounts for stuff in gas stations before because they thought I was a police officer because uh, I was open carrying a pistol and I was dressed nice. Mm. They, they just people just tend to assume like, oh, he must be a police officer. He's open carry. Uh, I've got that in Virginia. Yeah, I've had. It seems like nobody ever even. Some people don't even realize I'm carrying a pistol. Most people don't even. I'm like right beside them. They don't even acknowledge or even. I can tell they don't even know I have it. And I'm standing right next to them for a long time in a line. Or something, but then uh, for some reason, every time I went to a gas station, it doesn't matter what gas station it was, the gas station attendant always knew that I was open carrying. They could always see my my pistol. Yeah, and uh, you know sometimes they would ask me like, "Why, why are you carrying that? Are you a police officer?" I say, "No, just a uh, you know an armed citizen, you know, just responsible owner, firearm." You know, and he's like starts telling me about how he got robbed recently and how what can he do to get a pistol. And now I'm talking to this guy about getting a pistol. Yeah, and what he needs to do so he can protect himself and. So he was scared. The guy, he got, it was an unarmed robbery in his gas station. And he, he wanted to protect himself because he felt like he was going to die that night and stuff. You know, it's, uh, that was me being what I thought was a responsible citizen. You know, I looked approachable. I didn't look angry. And I looked like a nice guy that you want to have around with you if something goes down because he's got a gun on his side. And he looks like an upstanding individual. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's uh, important for our culture, for our, our gun community, for us to keep propelling us in a positive direction. Yeah, and not not do anything to to hold us back. I don't, I, you know, I've, I've I don't I've never open carried um, for you know my own personal reasons, but I, I've always felt like that. Um, I try not to make myself a target at any time. Um, the fact that I'm carrying a firearm, yeah, that's you know that's my personal decision. Um, and I, I, me personally, I don't necessarily want everyone knowing that because I don't I feel like it might make me a target. Um, that, that people would stare at me or make, you know, and I really don't care what people think, but at the same point, you know, if I'm faced with that situation and someone is trying to take advantage of me or is trying to rob me or whatever they're trying to do, the fact that I have a firearm should not be, I, I don't necessarily want them to know that I have a firearm because... Well, it's somewhat of a tactical advantage exactly. to have a concealed firearm. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you know, I think it was Rob Pinkins might have been on when he was on Gunfighter Gas. He was talking about people shouldn't open carry at all. And I, don't quote me on that one because I'm, I'm almost positive it was him. I had an email saying that he wasn't allowed to open carry. He wasn't allowed to. They don't have concealed carry permits where he lives. You cannot carry concealed, but you can open carry. So either his choice is don't carry or open carry. Yeah, it's so a no-brainer. What are you going to pick? You know, uh, you're going to open yeah, carry. I'm going to open carry. And in carry. that situation, you know, you got to think about those things. But yeah. by all means, open carry. And, uh, you know, I've always thought of open carry as kind of more of a political thing. Yeah. And some people might say that it's a deterrent to a bad guy. It, it and, is. And in some ways it could be. In some ways it could not. It could be the opposite of a deterrent. Yeah. And somebody might want to. They might think you're a cop. It might be some kind of gang initiation. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you got to go kill a cop. We think this guy's a cop. Let's go kill him. You know, you could be getting yourself in more trouble because you're open carry. Then again, you could stop something from happening because you're open carry. Yeah. You know, it's there's so many different scenarios. So many ways it could play out. But, uh, you know, personally, I prefer concealed carry myself. Yeah. Just so they don't know. But you know, every once in a while, I do open carry, depending on what where I'm at, and uh, it, there's a certain enjoyment I get out of open carry. Being able to do it is a great privilege. Uh, it's a great right that we have in certain states, um, and, and like I said, I don't discriminate on, against anybody who does it. By all means, you know, um, 
But like I said, it's, it's, it all comes down to personal preference. It's all about that personal preference on, on what you what you want to do and, and how you want to present yourself and how you choose to defend yourself. It's not necessarily something that uh, you know, and anyone can tell you you should or shouldn't do unless it's against the law, obviously. But it's all however you want to do it. I mean, it's personal preference, and that's definitely something that you need to think about when you consider arming yourself or, or purchasing a phone or. Yeah, how are you going to carry? And that's what I said earlier. You know, you're going to try out multiple different types of holsters, see which ones you like, which ones you don't like, and uh, eventually find what works for you. Maybe you cannot stand inside the waistband holster. Maybe you're a bigger individual and you can conceal in outside the waistband holster very easily. Me personally, in the summertime, I cannot possibly conceal uh, any pistol that I've ever owned in an outside the waistband holster in the summertime. Yeah. I just can't. In the wintertime, I can. I, I, normally, I still roll with it inside the waistband holster. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure if I was going to be a fan of the inside the waistband holster, but uh, you know, it really grew on me, and it's now become my preferred method of carry. And it all depends on you know what works for you. Try multiple things. See what works for your buddies. Try their holsters. Save some money. Absolutely. You know, try each other's holsters, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've, I've used a couple of my buddies' holsters, and, and I've actually carried, you know, their firearms and their holsters, just kind of see what I like before I've purchased multiple pistols, multiple firearms. And when I decide to purchase that next pistol, you know, I have certain ones that have, you know, I have a carry pistol. I have a pistol that I use, you know, for home defense. And, and then I had another pistol that I go out and shoot matches or whatever for. And by using other people's pistols and kind of wearing their stuff and, and thinking about, okay, I like how this feels or I don't like how this feels. It's kind of, Kind of influenced me a little bit, so yeah. By all means, use your friend stuff before you go out and spend that money. And uh, moving on, you know, one more thing you really need to think about if you're just getting into this is uh, we touched on a little bit earlier about ammunition. You know, when you're out there training, what kind of nine millimeter? What kind of ammunition is going to be your carry ammo? What kind are you going to train with? Are they similar? Uh, is your recoil going to be a lot different between the two? Are you selecting good ammunition that penetrates well? That is, it's it's, there's a lot of great ammunition out there. This isn't going to be a show about ammunition, but it's really hard these days to go wrong. There's so many good options of good ammunition out there for a variety of calibers. But what are you going to train with? And whatever you're using for your carry ammo, you need to put some of those downrange. You know, you need to train with those. Make sure they feed in your gun. Make sure your gun doesn't hate that ammunition and doesn't work right whenever you're using that ammunition. Uh, you need to know how that ammunition feels. Does it hit the same place as whenever you're uh, using your regular training ammunition? I've heard people say all the time, you know, I got a thirty, I got a three fifty seven revolver, and I go out, and the wife carries it. She trains with thirty eight special, but she loads it with three fifty seven. Personally, I think it's a horrible thing to do. You've got uh, your wife out there who's firing this pistol with thirty eight special, getting that little small amount of recoil, expecting that small amount of recoil, and now she's suddenly got three fifty seven in there. Whenever her life depends on it, she's already shook up, already scared, scared because she has to use that weapon. And now she's going to go out and, and get this much more significant of a kick and recoil and noise from the 357 Magnum instead of the 38 Special that loads in the same revolver. I, I think that's a, a mistake. You know, myself, just small things like that. Just don't don't try to you know game the game too much and uh, get around what you need to be doing. I definitely agree. I think because um, uh, you know, like you said, there's so many different types of ammunition out there. And, and what effect are you looking for? I mean, it, when it comes down to it, you know, think practical. It, that just doesn't make good sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why anybody would do it. But 
you know, if, if that's what you do, that's what you do. You know, I, I would recommend to not do that. Um, um, I, I personally, I train with cheap ammo, but I also have my carry ammo, you know, obviously for money purposes. I train with my carry ammo as well. I'll put, you know, 50, 100 rounds down range, you know, of the stuff that I carry just so I know that, you know, if there is any difference, how minute it may be, um, that I can comp compensate for that and I know what to expect. If I'm doing any type of scenario training, I always use whatever I would train or whatever I would carry. Um, if I'm doing, you know, marksmanship stuff or if I'm doing, you know, some basic things that just, you know, doesn't require a whole lot of, you know, it, it's not scenario driven, then I'll use cheap ammo. Um, I'll use the stuff that I can get, you know, that, that's not so hard on the pocket. Um, also, that, I mean, they have different options out there. They have low recoil ammo. It could be the same caliber ammo. It could be the same, you know, the same bullet size. Um, and that might be what you, you carry, and that might be also what you need to train with. But like you said, you know, there's so many different types of ammunition out there. You really can't go wrong. But that also plays in the part of what type of firearm are you going to buy and what are you going to buy it for um, as opposed to, you know, I have different beliefs as some people have, um, you know, for, for defense weapons. You know, you posed a question to me last night, what would you rather be shot with, a 9mm or a Well, obviously, you know, it's a no-brainer. You definitely don't want to get hit with that bigger bullet. Uh, but, you know, you brought up some good points about, you know, muzzle velocities and, you know, what kind of clothing the person could be wearing or, you know. Barrel links for the forty-five. you know, penetration. Barrel links, early penetration. expansion. Yeah. Any, kind of, any kind of ballistics, you know, and I don't want to get into the devils and the details of that, but it's, it's you kind of have to have a basic knowledge of, you know, are you going to be able to handle that recoil? What are you using it for? You know, if you're shooting matches, obviously, you know, there's nothing saying you can't shoot matches with a 45. I've done it. Um, but if you're doing stuff like that, you probably want to go with, uh, you know, 9 mil, 40 cal, 38 special, whatever, you know, whatever round. But, it, you know, if you're doing that personal defense, you, you kind of want to stick to something that, you know, is going to inflict a lot of a lot of damage and it's going to stop that scenario from you know, going any further than what it's already went. And you want to end that fight as, as quickly as possible and survive that. Um, so just think about that. I'm not going to put myself out there biased too much on what I prefer because, then again, it's all about personal preference. Well, we'll talk about that at a later date because yeah. we both prefer two different things. You know, he prefers 45. I prefer 9 millimeter, And yeah. we both have good reasons for why we prefer that. And I think they both work for us. Yeah. And uh, it may not work for somebody else. But we both, I think we both have good solid reasoning behind why we choose our, our calibers. What I, what, what I would recommend and what I would shoot are two different things, and it's all based on the scenario and the, the personal experience of the, the shooter. You know, like we talked about last night. I, I would tell someone who is just starting out or, or just start, starting to carry, you know, nine mil and forty cal, or you know, any of those smaller, low recoil ammunition or low recoil pistols or weapons would be great. You know, because you know that's. That would help you get those fundamentals down. It's easier on the pocketbook. You can train a lot more with it. And then once you get up, you know, into the a little bit better at your game, um, and, and you get more comfortable with it, and you know that your fundamentals are solid, you know that you know that, that recoil management and, and getting back on target is not an issue for you, or you know you might be better off financially. You might want to move up to forty-five, or you might want to get something a little bit bigger, or something you know. Um, that it's going to do a little bit more damage, but that doesn't have to be um, 
your only consideration. You know, and if you're just starting out and you say, hey, I want a 45, by all means, go out, get a 45, train with it, and, and get familiar with it, get, get comfortable with it, and enjoy it, and, and, and you can be just as effective. Just the only thing that I say don't get caught up in is 45 is the only good caliber out there. I yeah. hear it all the time. There's nothing else good. Personally, I think all pistol calibers are horrible. The rifle's where it's at. If you're going to shoot somebody, you want to hit them with a rifle. Bottom line. Uh, all pistol calibers suck. But if you're going to choose one, pick one that's right for you for whatever reason is right for you. And like I said, we'll, we can talk about our discussion we had the other night. I think we should record it next time and talk about it again because I think it would be a, a really – uh, interesting episode for you guys. Just our different reasonings behind, and uh, just don't get caught up in the if it does, if it doesn't start with a four, it's a piece of crap round because that three fifty seven sig ballistically is beating the crap out of every other ammunition out there. Yep, and uh, it starts with a three. But the uh, last thing I want to talk about you becoming a new gun owner. I think it's very important that you get involved politically, and you don't have to go beat on the White House or you know march on Washington or anything, but let your representatives know where you stand on gun arms. Like I'm from North Carolina. I haven't lived there in many, many years. Um, that's where Aubrey's family is because he's stationed there, but he's just deployed here. The uh, There's a few bills in North Carolina House right now trying to go through, sponsored by Republicans and Democrats uh, together, which to enable North Carolina to have the castle doctrine that many states have, uh, to where I don't have the duty to retreat in my home. I can fight there. My life's in danger. And a few other legislations about uh, concealed carry and getting rid of our little clause that we have where in a state of emergency, we're not allowed to carry. That stuff's going through right now. The more people that we have writing our representatives and e- emails or letters or faxes and telling them, hey, this is where we stand on this. This is where I think you should stand on this. The better off we are, the better off our gun laws are going to be, and uh, we're going to progress. I get emails all the time from the uh, NRA, ILA, sending me, wanting me to give them money uh, and all kind of stuff. It's annoying to me. And I don't agree with everything they do, but they do a lot. And they're the biggest representation that we have. Uh, if you want somebody a little bit more hard line, uh, which I also recommend you be a member of, would be the Second Amendment Foundation and uh, the Gun Owners of America. Uh, check those out. They're a little bit more hard line and don't give up ground uh, as easily as uh, a lot of lawyers do with the uh, ILA, uh, the NRA. So, uh just look at those, become a member, and a lot of these, the U.S. Concealed Carry Association, you get a discount if you go through the Gun Rights Radio Network for that. Uh, a lot of good information on that, websites, videos, uh, training techniques, and uh, a lot of like-minded folks on there. I agree. Uh, I've, I've always been a, you know, that's one thing, you know, I, I don't get too involved in politics. Me, you know, being a, being a military person, I have the luxury of, um, <laughs> it's it's it doesn't really matter who's in office, I'm going to go where they tell me to go, and I'm going to you know, do my job regardless. But when it comes to state legislation and places where I live, I mean, this is our country. You should be able to, to let your representatives know this is things that I believe in. This is what, you know, this is how I feel that we should be going forward with, you know, all these different laws and legislation when it comes to gun rights, when it comes to concealed carry, when it comes to, you know, guns in general, because, you know, you know as well as I do, Daniel, that we've, we've been taking a good bashing for the last couple of years um, from many different areas and many different people uh, as far as gun rights and guns go in general. And um, definitely get involved politically. You don't have to, you know, like you said, you don't have to be. That doesn't mean need to be your, you know, your whole purpose in life, but you, you definitely need to have an active participating role in, uh, in, in letting the people that represent us up there 
in Washington D.C. know that this is you know this is what we want and this is what we need. Yeah, well, you say we're taking a bashing. You know, it's they've won a few battles, but we're definitely winning the war right now. With there's you know concealed carry popping up all over the state, all over the place. There's constitutional carry uh, getting enacted in like a, a new state, like almost every couple of months. And uh, constitutional carry is awesome. Well, you know, then but you elaborate on a constitutional carry a little bit. Oh, constitutional carry, like basically, just because you have the right, you go to the gun store and you pass the background check, and you go in and meet the FBI background check and all that stuff to buy the handgun. Mm-hmm. Then you can legally carry concealed right then out of the store. That's awesome. And uh, there are still things, stipulations where you may not be able to carry in a restaurant that serves alcohol until you get a concealed carry permit, and other places you can't carry unless you have a concealed carry permit. But overall, in the general public, the constitutional carry allows you to carry simply because you have. You meet the requirements to own a firearm. We won in uh, McDonald versus Chicago Supreme Court ruled. You know, we won in uh, the Heller case and everything. We're we're definitely we've got them on the run. And uh, the statistics, the Center for Disease Control, the uh, Department of Justice, it backs up us. Uh, the antis, if they go to facts, uh, those pesky facts, they lose every time. So uh, we're winning this, but it just takes our representatives to also be motivated by the voting public to uh, keep us going in the right direction. Absolutely, I agree. Um, it you know it when I said you know we've been taking a bashing, that's basically saying that there's always somebody out there. Um, you know, no matter how well we do with safety, and you know, there's always somebody out there every time there's an incident with a firearm that that makes the front page of the paper. But what doesn't make the front page of the paper is when someone breaks into somebody's house and the owner of that home defends their home, you know, with a firearm and they do it well within their rights. That's not something that makes the front page of the papers. And I think that that's the way that they get us. So definitely be, you know, be a voice for your community, be a voice for, for, you know, gun owners all over America and, and definitely let everybody know that, you know, that's what you stand for. Yep. And whenever you're carrying or whatever you're doing, open or concealed, be a good ambassador for the gun community. That's what you are whenever you strap on that gun. That's it. Thank you for listening to episode number 41 of Gunfighter Cast. Please stay tuned for episode number 42. And until then, Gunfighter Cast out.